CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. Canada's smallest province is a world leader when it comes to doing away with non-disclosure agreements. NDAs are commonly used in civil cases. Money is paid in exchange for a promise never to speak about the allegations. But now there's a growing movement to end the practice, especially in sexual harassment and assault claims. I never imagined writing my name on a piece of paper would carry so much power. Her own signature has sealed her silence for decades. Can you tell me what happened to you when you were six, seven, eight years old? No, I can't tell you. Can you tell me what happened to you after your brother died? No. I can't tell you. 55-year-old Susan McRae's darkest childhood memories are shrouded in legal secrecy. What's preventing you from speaking to me about what happened to you? I have a non-disclosure agreement, so I can't, at this point, reveal that without breaking it. A non-disclosure agreement, an NDA, money paid in exchange for silence. A legal document that ensures allegations made in a civil lawsuit never go public. Headline-grabbing scandals have brought NDAs out of the shadows and into the spotlight. They tried to buy off my silence. What they had to say, they said in court. I would have also fought to never sign that awful NDA. But it's not just the rich and famous. In 1997, at the age of 31, Susan McRae took legal action against someone she trusted and loved. She was offered a cash settlement in exchange for her signature on this non-disclosure agreement. This is your NDA. Which I can't even read. That's right. When you look at this, even in its envelope, knowing the words that are inside there, what's it like for you? It's mostly really sad, actually. For many, many years, I just couldn't, I couldn't even look at it. It was locked away. This NDA was signed 25 years ago. Susan still can't say what happened to her, but her 83-year-old mother can. Susan confided in her mom years before she signed away her own voice. A story of abuse, assault, and interference. I know family secrets and shames are not unique to my family. You are the one who can tell me what happened to her when she was a little girl, because you aren't under an NDA. What did happen to her? She's told me that she was sexually assaulted when she was in about, from about six years old in, in grade one, two, and three. And then apparently it stopped. And then the night that my, we found out about my son's death, my oldest son's death, she said she was sexually assaulted that night too. Who's the person who she says sexually assaulted her? Her father. Your husband? Yeah. And to say that out loud, it must be so hard. Yeah, like you can't imagine. Like when you're, you're suspecting, 
It's a person that you love. It's really, really difficult. Susan remembers how she felt at 28 when she finally had the courage to speak up. She considered a criminal case against her father, but was told she'd be grilled about childhood memories and was advised to settle a civil case instead. Why did you feel the need to settle? I wanted to end the process. It was, it was excruciating, and I just wanted it to be over. Did you have a sense of choice in that matter, of signing or not signing? No. The whole process would have ended right there if I, if I hadn't signed that document. Even as a child, I knew that there was never going to be any justice. <laughs> you know, that's why I stayed silent as a child. But as an adult and uh, a woman, I'm just like, I can't believe that I'm this age and I still cannot say all of my experiences. Both Susan and her mother believed that when Susan's father died in 2015, the NDA would die with him. They were wrong. When your father passed away, did part of you feel, okay, the freedom is now here? Yeah. I felt a sense of freedom and real, real grief. It's kind of the legal system now keeping me silent, which makes no sense. Because he's not alive. Yeah, he's not alive. He's not being protected by the NDA. No. Susan went to 23 different lawyers to try to have her NDA lifted. She even went to court, but still can't speak. It feels like I can't move forward, you know, and it feels a bit frozen, like a part of me is frozen. Now Susan and her mother are lobbying leaders across the country to limit or ban NDAs. Marie even posted her story on this website. I'm doing this not just for my daughter, but for people, victims who do not have the support. This website and campaign, Can't Buy My Silence, is the brainchild of Canadian lawyer Julie McFarlane, who is part of an international movement. But I haven't spoken to a single person who really understood what they were signing. McFarlane has her own experience with NDAs. She refused to sign one when she took on the Anglican Church in 2016 over sexual abuse she had suffered as a teen. And now from her home in Kingsville, Ontario, she is fighting for others. McFarlane is a lawyer, professor, and a recipient of the Order of Canada. Where did NDAs come from? How did they even come into existence? Well, NDAs began in the 1980s with the tech bubble. They were originally designed to ensure that commercially sensitive information that was seen as being the property of a particular organization couldn't travel with an employee to a new organization. How did an NDA morph from protecting trade secrets to protecting bad deeds and bad people. Now, apparently, every form of misconduct is a trade secret. And it's just become a gradual creep. And the creep has been going on now for 30 years. And we are seeing non-disclosure agreements, some lawyers estimate, in around 95% of all civil settlement agreements. NDAs are used in just about every kind of civil case you can imagine. Workplace harassment, sexual abuse, product liability, employment terminations. CTV and its parent company, Bell Media, use them. In fact, NDAs have become so commonplace that most don't even question them. People who bring cases against 
builders because they, you know, gave them a leaky basement. All of those types of cases now are including in a settlement agreement as part of the release a non-disclosure agreement, which means that they can never speak about that defect to anybody ever again. The way that you describe an NDA makes it sound like this is simply hush money, gag money, silent money, keep your mouth shut money. People are being told that we will not compensate you for what you have suffered unless you agree never to speak about this again. Did you see the email from Tam Tam? Because they're talking about doing a follow-up. Oh, I saw that she'd emailed, but I haven't actually read it. The woman Julie is talking to is Zelda Perkins, the British co-founder of the campaign Can't Buy My Silence. In the 1990s, Perkins was a personal assistant to movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. She was just 24 when a co-worker shared a disturbing experience. When your colleague came to you and said that Harvey Weinstein had tried to rape her, what was your initial reaction? My immediate reaction was utter outrage and horror and, and tears. As a young woman, you think, well, the obvious thing is, is we expose this, he's punished, and it stops. Ultimately, they said, it's he said, she said. They said to me, you have to understand that if you try and take Harvey Weinstein to court, he will destroy your life. Not only your life, but your family's lives and your friends' lives. Zelda Perkins soon realized that standing up for her colleague meant she too was embroiled in a legal process and an NDA. For me, this was really the descent into darkness when my own lawyers told me that there was nothing that I could really do and that our only way out of this was to enter into a damages agreement. And in that damages agreement, we would be paid off. Perkins endured seven days of grueling negotiations. We went there every day for a week and we'd be in there for often 12-hour sessions. It was hugely intimidating. We were isolated in a room on our own, which I always remember it had no windows. And we were not allowed pen and paper. We were not allowed to go to the, the loo unaccompanied. And so we were made to feel like we were the criminals. And it was a sort of siege mentality. Fighting for clauses that would force Weinstein to change his behavior. It became a battle of if we're going to have to pay with our silence, this agreement has to be as difficult for him and as constrictive for him as it is for us, because this is our only weapon to stop his behavior. In 1998, she signed a 35-page agreement and was silenced. Nearly 20 years later, Perkins realized she was just one of many who were paid off as the media picked up the Weinstein story, including ABC's Nightline. The biggest scandal in Hollywood in years. More than 80 women, according to the New York Times, coming forward publicly with accusations against arguably the most powerful man in Hollywood, Harvey Weinstein. As dozens of accusers came forward, Perkins would no longer stay quiet. I was prepared to go to jail, be sued. I didn't care. To me, then, it was very clear. I, I had no choice. I had to break my agreement. And I felt that if I broke my agreement, other women would come forward, and ultimately, I knew that I was doing the right thing. That courage sparked a movement, 
and the dirty little secret of NDAs was exposed. This is not just about Harvey Weinstein. This is not about one bad man. This is about a system that protects power, that enables power to do what it wants, that allows power to buy justice. And that's where the problem is. Coming up. You can have a piece of paper, but the truth is the truth. Risking it all to punish the abusers. You should never make somebody be silent. When W5 continues. Non-disclosure agreements, or NDAs, have been used extensively to hide the dirty laundry of the rich and famous. Legal documents aimed at keeping damning allegations out of the public eye. But now they've become a standard procedure in governments, universities, churches, even the police are using NDAs. When you look back on your decision to take on Toronto Police, could you ever have imagined the toll that it would take on you? No. You can't um, prepare for something like this. Clearly, my career has come to a complete halt. I don't feel safe, you know, going back. So I, had, I never thought it would end up like this. Effie Zarabi is a Toronto police officer. In 2020, W5 first told her story of alleged sexual harassment and sexual assault by male officers. They have a huge problem, but they don't even want to admit it. If you don't admit you have a problem, how are you going to solve it? How are you going to fix it? Effie was one of three female officers to sue the Toronto police. She knew that if she reached a settlement, she'd have to sign an NDA. She also knew that if she walked, she'd be responsible for her own legal costs. Two of the policewomen settled. Effie did not. Did you at any time say, look, I'd consider a settlement, but I am not signing an NDA. I will not be silenced. It does, you have to sign an NDA. There's no wiggle room at all. There's no option to, there to get out. There was no wiggle room. They wanted a non-disclosure agreement. Effie's choice not to take the settlement and keep her voice has cost her tens of thousands of dollars in legal bills. I knew that if I had settled, that would have been the same NDA that I got, which is don't talk to anybody. You could never go back to policing or law enforcement. And what do you think that does to somebody who's suffered trauma to then be told, now stay quiet about it? It destroys you. It's like killing somebody. You cannot. It's up to the victim whether they want to talk about it or not. But you should never make somebody be silent. We cannot go on without talking about what happened to us. Was it worth the decision not to sign the NDA? Yeah. Every day. Why is that? Because all I have is my voice. And if I cannot use that, then then what good am I? So I will fight this fight every single day if I have to, because there are women out there that are going through the exact same thing and they can't say anything. And that's what hurts. 
Growing attention on the damage caused by NDAs has prompted governments around the world to take notice. California has banned them. Ireland is moving in that direction. And Canada's smallest province has made the boldest move yet. We now see um, the first piece of legislation banning NDAs in Canada uh, being passed in Prince Edward Island. Canada's smallest province, but small is mighty in this case. Julie McFarlane is the Canadian lawyer and professor who helped draft the bill. What's different about our bill to California is that that one is specifically about harassment and discrimination. And the PI bill, they used the word parties, so they have taken it outside of the workplace altogether. The bill passed on the heels of a scandal at the University of PEI, where NDAs were reportedly used to silence harassment on campus. That legislation is, I think, the best legislation model that we so far have in the common law world because it applies to all parties, not just workplace disputes. So I think in this very small community, people started to realize that they knew people who'd signed NDAs. It started to become something that people were talking about. They brought it to the MLA, to Lynn Lund, and she responded. With PEI banning the use of NDAs, other provinces, like Nova Scotia, are taking a closer look. That's caught the attention of Halifax employment lawyer, Mark Tector. My concern with legislated anti-NDA proposals or conditions is that a lot of times what I've seen is just a blanket ban on these things. You're concerned that this is just too far-reaching? That's one of the concerns, yeah. And that the net impact is that uh, it discourages settlement and it actually removes the power of someone who might want, really want an NDA because of the circumstance that they've gone through, removes their ability to negotiate that with their employer or with a business where it makes sense for them. And without a settlement, more cases, he says, could end up in court, further exposing both sides in a public forum. They don't want the other side talking about it. They want to reach a resolution, end the litigation, which can be uh, an experience, not a good one, and they want to put it behind them and move forward in some circumstances, not all circumstances, and they want that agreement so that the other side doesn't talk about it. While the momentum grows from movements like Me Too to take NDAs off the legal table, Tector maintains there is always a choice. If a party says, look, I'm not signing an NDA, then you don't have an agreement. And that party always has the option to keep on going through the legal process. If it's a human rights hearing, go to a hearing, public hearing. If it's a court action, go to court. Yet some are going public even after signing an NDA. In the wake of these women speaking out against Jeffrey Epstein, a bombshell ruling. The US judge in New York is rejecting Prince Andrew's bid to dismiss a civil sexual lawsuit against the royal. A judge unsealed a 2009 settlement that would have limited Prince Andrew's accuser, Virginia Jufri, from taking him to court. But just how binding are these complex legal documents? What's the risk of breaking them? You describe the contents of an NDA essentially as a big bluff. First of all, a lot of these clauses, if a court actually had to rule on whether they were enforceable, they would say they're too vague, they're too broad, they're too unreasonable. 
And second of all, uh, this idea that unless you agree to be silenced, you won't get any money is also a bluff because the very last thing that the other side who wants the NDA is willing to have is any kind of public domain discussion. And for somebody who has signed an NDA and feels muzzled, silenced, and unable to heal, and, and is listening to you and thinking, you know what, I'm gonna break it. I can't say to anybody in any good conscience, go ahead and break it, because I, you know, I know the kind of stress that even being threatened with a lawsuit is going to have on, on somebody. But what I would say is, write to the other side and ask to be released. They'll probably say no, but at least have that on record. And then, if you feel bold enough, um, you should challenge the enforceability of that NDA and you should speak out and see what happens because the chances of actually being pursued in terms of the optics of that in 2022, I think are very minimal. Susan McRae signed this NDA 25 years ago in a civil settlement with her own father. She has never broken her silence. You could break the NDA. Mm -hmm. Have you considered that? And just saying, you know what, that signature was a long time ago. I'm ignoring this. I am breaking my NDA. If you've been told by uh, your abuser and society to keep silent and family members, it's really hard to speak up. If your NDA was lifted right now, mm -hmm. what would you do? I'd cheer. You would feel free? Yeah. I can be free. You know, you can have a piece of paper, but the truth is the truth. Since our story first aired, another province has joined PEI's lead. A bill has now been tabled in the legislature in Nova Scotia, clamping down on the overuse of NDAs. You've been listening to CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. 